separated from their main group. They find themselves in a room with a mysterious creep keeper, Freddy the Freak, who details how each of the strangers may die, and all through the house. It looks like a chocolate box on the outside, but inside of the Clayton home, it's a different story. Joanna Clayton is just at it up here, with her husband John on Christmas Eve going on 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 about his obsession with Christmas lights to this Yuletide as Joanne is slicing up a cold ham for tea something inside her head makes a snap and before John can finish about how much next door's Christmas lights were not as good as this year's she calmly places the knife in her hands down on top of his head Killing him instantly. He appears to avoid his body, and in the background, hears a back radio announcement on the local news stating that a homicidal maniac is on the loose. She sees the killer, who is dressed as a far, in a Santa Claus costume outside of the house, but cannot call the police without exposing her own crimes and may end up being exposed. As so, she chooses to annoy him and go on with hiding her husband's body in the freezer in the cellar. Not a day task, but amazing. Easy day task. But it's amazing how your body can find strength in moments of need. After clearing up her crime, like an overzealous person with OCD, Joanna finally attempts to call the police to report her husband missing after a row, and she's sure she saw the escape menu dressed sat nearby. However, a young daughter, Carol, being extra excited seeing a man dressed like Santa, so believing the man by the back door to be Santa, she unlocks the door and lets him into the house. When Joanna enters the room, after the man pretending to be Santa, sends her daughter upstairs, or she'll get a piece of coal instead of a nice Christmas present, whereupon he starts to strangle Joanna to death. Carol can't wait until tomorrow, and all our lovely Christmas presents. There would be Sanders walking quietly up the stairs, with a silent ho ho ho. He's out Carol's door, side down Carol's door, ready to open it, as he likes to make sure the children sleep. Reflection of death. Cold Maryland, 
had been having an affair, and his son is trying to abandon his family and his wife of ten years he needed to be with Susan, his new love in his life. After they drive off together, they are involved in a car accident. He wakes up in a wet car, dazed, confused, and wondering where Susan is, as she is nowhere to be found. So he decided to attempt to hitchhike back to the house they bought as their loveless, but everyone he met meets reacts with horror upon seeing him. Arriving at the house, he sees Susan with another man in the living room, laughing and joking, and wonders what's going on, and who the man is in his love nest. He knocks on the door with a loud, with a loud knock, and this, and then the slow screams through the letterbox, Susan, let me in. Susan answers the door. She screams and slams the door. So cold finds a nearby window and throws a brick through it, causing the window glass to shatter and in hated rage in hated rage. Ragged edges he climbs through the carefully. Glancing at the reflected tabletop, he sees he has a face of rotted hideous corpse and screams in horror. He wonders why Susan's not screaming as he wrote at his appearance, she spots a white cane by her side of a fainted body on the floor through the shock of the smashed window. Carl then awakes and finds it out it was a dream, but the moment, but the moment he does, the crash occurs again, and the living nightmare continues. Poetic justice. James Elliot lives with his father, Edward across from the home of Dutchman by the name of Arthur, who owns a number of dogs and entertains the children in his house, while both the Elliots are snobs who represent Grimsdyke as as a blight on their neighbourhood in its high standards. So James begins detested contact, a smear campaign against the old man, saying he treated his Dogs cruelly and by beating him daily as his father as he and his father seen it with it, their eyes and wished no harm to come to the dogs. This led, led to, to Arthur's beloved dogs taking them by the animal control. Arthur then persuades a member of the council to have him removed from his job. He exploited parent parents' paranoia fear about child mutilation that stopped him from coming to his door. All the night all in the name of great neighbourhood. On Valentine's Day, James, Arthur, a number, writes a number of pines to spend Valentine's, supposedly for neighbourhoods, each filled with words of hate, driving a poor man to suicide. Exactly one year later, on the anniversary of his unnatural death, in the eyes of the church, Arthur rises, reanimated from the grave, and takes revenge on James by visiting him on that very night. The following morning, Edward finds his son, Arthur, dead. And written carved in his exposed chest were these haunting words, barely readable, amongst the crimson red braked blood. You were mean and cruel right from the start. Now you really have no open. Edward opens the folded, wrapped parcel by James Cadaver, and inside remains of his son's heart had been ripped out of his body.
Wish you were here. Ineffective ruthless Bozo's men, Alf Jason. He is close to financial ruin due to not keeping up with the current trends or having his items. Oh, having items, his items not available in online shop, online shops. His wife Barbara discovers a Chinese figurine at a very odd-looking junk shop and finds herself drawn to the figurine. The old gentleman behind the counter regaled to her the urban myth that this Chinese figurine can grant the owner free wishes, but it comes at a cost. And nothing in life is free. Barbara buys the Chinese figurine. Out of curiosity, as she leaves the shop, the old man smiles and says to himself, Now I am free again. Oh, look at that cursed object. Barbara, fed up with her current financial burden, decides to wish for a fortune. Surprisingly, it comes true. A letter arrives the day, that day, stating that she could inherit the sum of a million pounds on her and her husband's Ralph's life insurance on proof of death. Barbara asks Ralph to go to the shops for her as she needed some grocery items for the supermarket. Ralph was driving along when suddenly the brake each stop will in. And the accelerator goes down to to fall, causing him to crash his car at first in a wall. Ralph airbag fails and his seatbelt snaps with a blink of an eye. He goes head first through the car front window and into the wall, crushing his skull in two. Letting his brain ooze out amongst the red, sticky, crimson blood. Barbara's second wish is meant, is meant for the man of her dreams. As she goes to bed, the very night to sleep, she hears heard footsteps coming up the stairs. As she wakes, a heightened sense of desire and want. The door handle turns down. Barbara is beginning to sweat. Whole bodies tingle. A figure enters the room. At first, in a plutonium darkness, she thinks her prince has come. She puts on her bedside lamp. Is stunned to shut the door. As her former husband, Ralph, stands before her, a mangled, emanated living corpse, dripping a mixture of ambulance oils and dried, putrid blood on the bedroom floor. Barbara tries to let out a scream but just sits in a bed, muted and soiled by the shock. The cadaver, formerly known as Ralph, walks slowly, creeping nearer and nearer. Ralph starts to chew Barbara's body, taking out huge trunks. Somehow, in the back of her mind, Barbara wishes to go back to the beginning. Two respected mothers on separate occasions are called in, in the midwife's sister's office to be informed that due to reasons unknown, a child they were carrying had died in the womb. If you ever get the chance to make three wishes, just walk away, as you may not like the results. Blind Addy, Major William Rogers, was become the new director of a home for the blind and exploits a position to live in luxury with German Shepherd Shane. While his drastic financial cuts on the food and eating lessens the residents' living conditions to the point of them freezing and starving to death. Rogers gets his upcoming albums after he knows the pleas of President George Carr to both make the living conditions more bearable and later to get medical treatment for another resident Beryl, his sort of girlfriend, who then dies from hypothermia. Carter decides to make the need a revolt to subdue the staff before knocking out Rogers and Shane by using saved up statement tablets crushed into their food. Each are placed in separate rooms in the basement during the day, he stay in the locked room.
to the Major heard a sound of contraction work taking place, and his beloved dog barking, howling, barking, howling in the background. When the Major door is open, he finds himself in a very dimmed out narrow corridor. It had been two days left to starve, and no, with no water, the Mayor heard some speakers. And if he could find his way, find the key, and go past the guard, he would be allowed to go home. As Major is about to embark on his mission, a corridor is plunged into complete Plutonium darkness. He thought this is this was for, was for him to experience the world of his innocent victims of the care home. Major soon realizes that the walls are lined with very sharp razor blades, with only the smallest of gaps between them. With his hand covered in blood and his knees gashed, the Major reaches his final obstacle, his now beloved dog Shane. Looking at him with his teeth flashing, dribbles of saliva coming from his mouth as the lights sort of turn back on, making the Major squirm at them. The now ravenous Shane charges towards the Major, who then t- in turn panics, flees back to walls of razors, only for Carter to turn the lights off when Rogers heard screaming as a hungry dog catches up with him. Carter sits in the home's of office, ready to greet his new guests with a promise of always being treated with fairness, warmth, and a good hearty food. Final After completing the final tale, the quick keeper, Freddy the Freak, reveals that he was not warning of them what would happen, but telling them what had already happened. They all died without repentance. A door to hell opens up and all enter. And who's next? asks the quick keeper. Turning to face you, the dear listener. He says, perhaps i see you soon, my friend. The quick keeper's there, goes up in flames. Sweet dreams, children. Sweet dreams. ha, ha, ha.